The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? When everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. On this episode, author and podcaster Ben Thompson joins us to tell us all about his fantastic podcast, Badass of the Week. Each week, he shares the tales of those who rose above despite hopeless odds to complete their mission. From ninjas to pirates, scientists to explorers, every week is a new badass. Oh, then there's the dozen plus books Ben's written. Speaking of badass, it's a great chat. And here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 241. They just keep stacking ever higher. Another amazing early August day. It's not hot in Ojai yet. It's almost amazing. Daniele Bellelli right next to me, fresh off a nice interview. Yes, and uh, the not hot part we are really excited about, considering I just drove, I stopped for about two and a half minutes in Vegas just to gas up. It was 117 degrees. So that if, uh, I'm hearing a lot of people like in Arizona and uh, Nevada, that if people trip and fall to the ground and their skin touch the asphalt, they burn and they have to go to the burn unit. Yeah, if you if so. you happen to be in contact with like three or four minutes, like if you fall and knock yourself unconscious, you get third degree burns yeah. off the, the ground. Yeah. Insanity. Speaking of insanity, today we have one of the most over-the-top guests ever, the absolutely hilarious Ben Thompson, who's the author of a famous website called Badass of the Week. He also has a series of books that are all based on the website. Now started a podcast that he's going to tell you all about it. Bad is, if you guys have never read his material, he's absolutely hilarious. Just check him out. And, uh, well, you get a chance to check him out in an episode starting soon. Before we do that, though, a couple of quick shout-outs. As always, thank the wonderful people at Shore Design T-shirts for having our back from day one in providing us with the t-shirts that then we get to sell to you guys for Drunken Taoist and uh, the EQ design and a whole bunch of others. Also, big shout out, I want to thank DakotaPureBison.com. Uh, if you eat meat, check them out. Dakota Pure Bison, there's a code HOF10, as in History on Fire 10, so HOF10, you got a 10% discount on all kind of bison goodies. They raise their own bison in this ranch in South Dakota. And, uh, you know, anything from uh, beef jerky, sticks, uh, ribeye steak, burgers, every bison-related product you can think of. These guys are awesome. So, again, that's dakotapurebison.com, HOF10 for a discount. That sounds delicious. 
Yes, it really is. We got a package yesterday. I'm super excited. Quick thing, I started in an effort to try to revive History on Fire. I started a whole bunch of uh, new things. I have an Instagram page just for History on Fire. I started a YouTube channel for History on Fire where you get to see my beautiful sweet face while i tell you crazy stories they are not (laughs) regular episode length like the podcast they are shorts they are like the first episode i did is a 50 minute stories about alexander the great drinking misadventures to find these and more oh i started a Substack where i write things on a regular basis and it's free you can get like the newsletter and the essay coming into your email for free so all of this stuff and more for simplicity's sake, so you don't have to look for 25,000 links. Um, I joined a beautiful thing that is Linktree. So if you go to l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash my name, so Daniele Bolelli. Again, that's Linktree, but l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash D-A-N-I-E-L-E-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. I have everything there. The link to the YouTube channel, the link to Substack, the link. Uh, when it comes to, I'm not going to, you know, if you want bonus content, you want to join Patreon and you want to support, that's wonderful. But honestly, I'm not even going to bug you with any of the paid stuff. If you guys can just support the free stuff, that would be wonderful subscribing to the youtube channel subscribing to uh, uh substack the free portion all of that stuff that you know doesn't cost you a dime it helps a bunch so if you could please do that i would greatly and deeply thank you yeah and watch a couple of the videos too even that helps we got to yep. build up minutes so yeah oh yeah youtube has this thing that in order to monetize they want a thousand subscribers which i just started so i currently don't have but i'm sure i will get there at some point and they also want 4,000 hours of people watching your videos before you can monetize. 4,000 hours are a lot. So put it in the background, replay it five times throughout the day while you're doing something else. And uh, <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, speaking of thank you, let's say thank you also to uh, Home Cellars and Matera Wines for providing me with awesome wine. Thank you to those of you using our Amazon link. It always helps. Whatever you order on Amazon, if you go through our Amazon link. And a big thank you to the people who parted with their harder money to support us. Let the pottering begin. Quick list of thank you to... Actually, not so quick, because last time we, I hardly did it. So we have a whole month long of stuff here. Thank you to Ryan Merklin, uh, Keegan Walsh, Stephen Notariani, Lisa Robles, Nick Zunica, Istis Juska, John Vergara, Joseph Lord, Nicola Togni, Daniel Batti, GlobalHobos.com, Eden Carrio, Andre Garapetian, Samuele Rudelli, Jim D'Amico, Stephen Rados, Lynn Raper, Donald Chipwitten, Luis Pesquera, Yanni Linima, Jesse Rantakangas, Aaron Weisner, Clayton Payne. Amazing. You guys are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Shall we jump in the interview? Yeah, this is a good one. Let's do it. Here we go. 
Ben, it's a joy to have a chance to chat with you. I've read your material for a long time and uh, you provided endless hours of entertainment. So I'm very glad to, to have a chance to sit down and chat together. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I, it's really a, a great honor to be here. I'm a, I'm a fan of the podcasts and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm happy to be here and for you to have me, uh, have, you to have me on to, to talk about this stuff. You have the most hilarious writing style ever. Like you manage to tell history the way that I, uh, it makes everyone roll all over the place with laughter because it's so over the top <laughs> fantastic that it's, uh, it's, uh, how long ago did you start um, Badass of the Week as a website? Because that was the uh, first step, right? Your entry was the website before the books and everything else. Yep, yep, it was that. So this kind of goes back to 2004. So it's kind of funny to think about, but, you know, it predates like YouTube and, you know, Facebook and things like that. And so then in the old days where I would, I would write, um, I would write my articles in Notepad and then upload them as a, as a text file. And then it would make the, you know, I'd use the, I'd just make an HTML file in Notepad and upload it to the website. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was a long time ago. I was working, uh, I had a day job where I was working at a university and we didn't have summer classes. So, but I still had to be there in of case course. students came in and they wanted, you know, to sign up for classes or had questions or anything. So I would sit there all all summer with nothing to do and I'd be reading these stories anyway. I was a history major in school and I loved these stories and I was reading them. And so then I would just start posting them on the computer and... You know, and I would just send it to, I'd get five hits a week and it would be me checking the site twice and then my mom and my good friend who liked the stuff also. And <laughs> I remember the first time someone sent me an email that I didn't know in real life. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, I read your thing. I found it on the internet and it was interesting. And I was like, oh my God. And I printed it out and of I course. put it over my desk because I thought it was so cool. Of course. <laughs> That's awesome. So you really started with no thought of uh, just as a fun project for you in a long, tedious summer. Let's entertain myself. Exactly. It's exactly that. Yeah, I was just, I had no, you know, sometimes people will ask me, oh, you know, how did you get going with the books and how did your website get popular? All of that I said, I don't know. There wasn't much on the Internet at the time, <laughs> so I had no intentions of anything. I was just posting fun stories for people to read. Um, and yeah, and then it just kind of it kind of took off where I would start to get 10 hits, then then 50, then a thousand and a million. And, it, it, and then, you know, I was able to turn that into some books. And, you know, I'm doing a podcast now, a Badass of the Week podcast that I'm really excited about. And you know, it kind of just started with me just being some guy, you know, <laughs> writing right. stories on the computer. <laughs> but I think that speaks a lot about how poorly usually history is conveyed for a general public. Because, you know, you get uh, many historians who do a fantastic job when it comes to research. You know, you really can't rival mm -hmm. the work that these guys do. But they tend to do, with some exception, but they tend to do a god-awful job when it comes to uh, communicating with non-historians. And that's the part yeah. where, you know, when sometimes people listen to a podcast I've done on a topic and they ask me about books uh, that I recommend, that I'm like, 
I recommend them to a point because I I read them so you wouldn't have to because the reality is that there's a lot of useful info but it's not conveyed in the most entertaining way possible so it's uh, to put it mildly so I think that's why something yeah, like yeah. what you do you know it, there's a space for that because the reality is that there's not a lot of there's a lot of demand and not a lot of supply when it comes to entertaining history. I mean, even History Channel started a History Channel and doesn't really do history anymore. Or there's it's, it's the Ice Road Truckers Channel now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, right? So it's like uh, that's there's no why history you... on Fire TV show, but they do have one about guys who eat catfish, right? <laughs> right, exactly. So given that makes perfect sense that your staff would have uh, and especially doing it when you did which was before many people tried to go down that lane um, it makes mm-hmm. perfect sense that your staff would have hit big because there really wasn't that much that um, that catered to regular people being interested in history but in a funny way in an interesting way in a way that non historians yeah. would appreciate yeah and that's kind of you know it's it's changing now a lot of people are kind of getting into doing some more entertaining ways mm-hmm. of telling the stories and uh you do a great job on your show and you know dan carlin and there's <laughs> other people who are doing really good work now in that space but at the time it was it's very dry right it's very yeah. hard to read some of these old history texts these academic texts because people i think try so hard to be you know kind of impartial and just tell the tell the thing and it's very dry and they expect you to have an understanding of where some of these places are and who some of these people are so they start making references to things that a casual reader or listener might not understand what you're talking about Yeah, that was kind of the thing at the time. Like, you know, I have always said that people who who hate history always had it taught to them in a way that was, here's a bunch of old dead white guys and you have to memorize their birthdays. Yeah. Right. And people who love it have always had one teacher who was able to take those stories and make them real, right? Make them into real people and real stories. And actually, you know, Anything that has ever happened in the world is history. So there's got to be something in there that's interesting to you or something that's exciting. And so, you know, I I think, um, you know, for me, it was my father. My father was really good at making history stories seem interesting. And so I kind of was hoping to do that as well of, okay, yeah, this is actually cool. And, you know, historians get into this stuff because they're interested in it. But I think it's easy to, to lose sight of it and forget about it. And I fall into that trap, too. I always have to take a second pass on my articles after I write them because... You get so bogged down in the details that I'm like, oh, I haven't made a joke here in uh, five paragraphs. And now I, I got to make this yeah. more interesting because I'm falling into this hole. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. I, I end up doing the same thing. Like when I prepare an episode, I write down all the notes, all uh, whatever I want to cover. And then, but that's the initial step. Now I just have a bunch of facts that are I'm going to kill people with if I read them the way I'm thinking. Now it's time to spice (laughs) it up. And it's like, okay, how do I earn people's attention? How do I make a pop culture reference that make people perk up or a joke that make people laugh or something that allows the listener to want to keep listening rather than feeling that they fell back into some high school hell in their most dated (laughs) class or something, you know? So it's uh, no, yeah, I get it. Yeah, they're What's, doing, they're uh, listening to this for fun. So don't, yeah, exactly. Don't, don't kill them with your boring stuff. Yeah, and I, I think, always say it's like you draw the picture and then you have to color it in. Yeah, pretty much, right? That's when you <laughs> when you add that layer because I think it's 
it's the same thing with people who do this. I mean, I teach history for a living in university, but it's a different gig, right? Because in university, so many people mm -hmm. fall back to the idea that they have a captive audience and these people owe you their attention. And I think it's a oh, terrible see, yeah. way to approach it because the reality is that even though they are students, yes, they have to be there and they need a grade, you still need to treat it like you need to earn their attention. You need to keep them engaged. You need to, because otherwise is yeah, the bar drops really low all of a sudden for the way it's done. I guess one thing I want to ask yeah, you nobody's is... Nobody's having uh, fun. Nobody's remembering the stuff. Nobody's happy to be there. That negative energy pulls you down too, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my lines that I use often on the first day about what I promise that I won't do to them is that when I see the way so many people teach, I picture them spending their Saturday nights shining their PhDs and devising new ways of to squeeze all joy out of learning because that seems to be the outcome. And I, I, had, I had a few teachers like that, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, unfortunately, that's more common than not. The What's your balance, I guess, between uh, entertain? Because one of the problems, I mean, aside for people being boring and not being able to tell a good story, there's also an objective problem sometimes with history, which is sometimes we don't know. Right. Sometimes you start a story and you tell, oh, this is a cool legend, but then you would have to fact check yourself 52 times and, and you end up pretty much every statement you make, you then make three more statements to qualify it. And which is good from an accuracy standpoint is not the best for a storytelling standpoint. What's your balance between the two? Yeah, that is a really, really good question because that happens a lot where you'll read something and you'll be like, oh my God, this story is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, it doesn't show up in these other two versions of the story. And maybe it came in later and George Washington didn't really cut down the cherry tree. That story is not true. Right. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> For me, like... I always pick the good ones, right? I take the good story. There's, you know, oh, this is the best part. Like, this is one. Okay, I should say that, like, maybe this part of the story was added in 100 years after the event. Yeah. But, you know, it's cool and I'm going to tell it, right? And so then there was this guy and he did this awesome thing. You know, I, I think it's it's one of the interesting things about learning history and teaching history is that it's not math right like it's not as easy to figure out what happened and you know you get a lot of you'll get critics who will say oh you, you, this is wrong and it's like you don't know what's right or mm -hmm. what's wrong really right like i do a lot of i have a series of books that i do for kids it's called guts and glory and there's four or five books in that series and um i do talks at schools and so when i do talks at schools i say um here's a great example of history like i mean forget about like what's ha what happened in this battle in the Roman Empire like we as a civilization can't agree on things that are happening in the world right now right mm -hmm. <laughs> so we can say that what the example I give is uh, imagine that you are at lunch with some of your friends and uh, two of your friends get into an argument and they storm off and they're mad at each other okay if I interview everybody at that table I'll get a different story and if I interview, if I show the clip of this with audio and high def cameras to the class, all of you are going to have different opinions on what you saw as well. And now it gets interesting. You run into a thing where, okay, there's two guys who were at the same battle at the same time. And one guy saw something and the other guy didn't. Did the guy just not see it? Did he forget it? Did he, was he looking the wrong way? Is the first guy lying? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, all of this is assuming people are trying to tell the truth and 
And in some versions of these stories, we only have one version, yep. and it's the story about the emperor told by a guy that's being paid by the emperor to write the story. <laughs> you know? Right, of course. No, in fact, that's one of the nightmares of history, the fact that, you know, people think that there's the great book of history that you open and tells you everything exactly the way it happened, and the reality is that... It's, you know, we are trying to be as evidence-based as we can, but the evidence is always uh, faulty or partial or lacking or flat-out horrendously biased. And, and you have to, yeah, yeah that is uh, part of the, the tricky aspect of combining telling a good story with qualifying uh, the facts as we know them. I mean, I know, for example, I did one at some point. I did... Um, I'm sure you covered him too. I'm pretty sure I read you one. Uh, the Lever the Eating Johnson story. You know, the trapper. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Then. And, you know, it, it was funny because I thought, okay, that's the story. The guy actually chopped off the leg of one of his captors and used it as a snack as he was running away and beat a bear with it. Yeah. And then I started realizing, okay, wait, I'm out. Maybe there's, and in fact, once I started reading more, I realized the whole mythology that I believe is mostly true, I realized it was like 95% made up. Like that whole story, there is very little factual to the whole. It's a great story, but it's like, yeah, and, 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 you know. yeah exactly. But then on the other hand, uh, you know, everybody was convinced that that the Iliad was mythology until yep. they found Troy, right? Yep. So, you know, everything kind of lays in the middle, I think, somewhere. Some people are great at telling stories and, you know, all you can do at the end of the day is, you know, and you know, you know this as well as I do from from your 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 work that you're doing is, you know, all you can do is gather all of the sources and and compile them and tell tell the best story that you can come up with. My my joke sometimes is that I I sometimes in the interests of like being funny and um you know telling all of the good parts of the story, I'll go a little too far and somebody would be like, did they really have chainsaws in the Roman Empire? And I have to be like, no, no, I, that, was a, that was just a metaphor. He kind of, he didn't actually have a chainsaw. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I think, I mean, that part is uh, just being honest, just saying, hey, this is the legend. Uh, evidence mm -hmm. is kind of thin, stretches uh, what we can believe but hey this is what some people argue this is what other people argue i wasn't there so what the hell do i know but just pick the story you want to believe right, you right. know yeah you can you can kind of caveat that and then get into it because people don't want to hear you you know hem and haw over every stat absolutely you did a, a character from history i've never written about but i've read a lot about and i'm really interested in is um uh benvenuto cellini oh yeah I read <laughs> a series on him and there's a great example right this guy is like it's his autobiography written by him and he's like defending the pope with a shotgun and yeah, like kicking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kicking famous people down the stairs and like <laughs> Like, I would love to see, like, I would love to... Hang on, I got a car going for my house. Sure, here. no worries. Sound like the space shuttle. I know, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, oh, the Blue Angels. The Blue Angels are flying over my house today, so... Great. Maybe if we have the sounds of jet fighters flying overhead, that would be more badass for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had that about but, um, three months ago. Yeah, it, was, so... it was the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds both did an air show recently, and... We don't need okay. dragons because we built them. Yeah, for real. So it's just so hard to be, wow, look at those awesome killing machines flying through the sky. USA, <laughs> USA. And then you're like, how do you feel when you're a, you know, a farmer in his field and those are coming over your head? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got a friend in, uh, and she's from she's from Sarajevo, and she's like, you have, will never appreciate how lucky you are that you can see that and be like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not the harbinger of death, right? No, but yeah, Cellini, yeah, yeah. Cellini is perfect for you. I can't wait to see a write-up yeah. you do on Cellini because his life, I was about to say he's a real life. His life, as best as we can gather from the sources, probably real, maybe not, who knows, but like it's already looks like he's written by you. It's already so yeah. over the top, insane yeah. that it's, uh, it's a badass of the week by itself. You don't even have to spice it up. Yeah, and and I had read that like you know some of it was um, exaggerated, obviously, and and I had read that part of the inspiration, and you would know this better than me, but like part of the inspiration for him writing it was that he didn't feel like he was getting enough credit for his work as an artist. He felt like these other artists were more famous than him, and so he was just like, "I'll show these guys. I'm going to write this awesome badass of the week about myself." <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious because he's like it, the art almost. I mean, he features in his autobiography, but it's not the focus because he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I created this culture and the king of France praised me and said I was the greatest and gave me money. But wait, let me tell you about when I went to the tavern and this guy looked at me wrong and I stabbed him in the throat. And then you're like, whoa, OK, <laughs> that's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They... <laughs> The king of France loved it, but his wife loved me more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Stuff, it's know? all... Uh, <laughs> and, and the funny thing about that guy is that he's so incredibly tone deaf in the sense that he's just telling you these <laughs> yes. stories. Always try to portray himself as a good guy, and he tells you these things that you're like... You are an awful, awful human being. <laughs> what you need is not a good guy thing to do. And uh, he seemed to be completely oblivious to that part. I was listening to your intro on it for History on Fire, and you were you were kind of setting it up like he's uh you know we're gonna get into a story here, and I was just trying not to laugh because I had this big smile on my face of like yeah that's right this guy's this guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, my favorite of the tone deaf ones. I got more planes. Yeah. The yeah, I'm sorry, the Blue Angels. No worries. My Special guest stars. My um my favorite of the tone deaf ones is this one thing where he compliments himself because a friend of his bring this prostitute to dinner, and this lady start flirting with Cellini, and Cellini's like, oh, I would have never stolen her from him because you know it was it would be wrong. I'm an honorable man and I'm a good friend. So instead, I ended up sleeping with the prostitute's 13 year old servant, and you're like. Uh, and that's good, right? That, that on the other yeah. end, you're, you're a perfectly moral guy. I was like, Jesus, I think, uh, I don't know. It's so funny to read him because he's just... He's so great. He comes across like the villain in a story who doesn't realize he's the villain. Exactly. You know? Like he's the bad guy in the movie. And he's like, what are you talking about? I, was, <laughs> I did this all for you. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. No, he's... Uh, hilariously entertaining and absolutely horrible as a person but uh, but makes for a good yes. story that's for sure what are some of your i mean you have covered like three zillion stories in history but just on top of your head what are some of your all-time favorites well i'm trying to cover a lot of them with the podcast which is kind of mm -hmm. a, a fun thing we're working on right now so nice. like you know the the podcast ends up kind of being like a greatest hits off the website uh -huh. and also some new stuff that I, I hadn't really come across before. Yep. So one of the really interesting stories that 
came up recently, like, you know, I, I do, there's all these famous ones from the website that people love. There's the bear that fought in World War II for the Polish army. Yeah. And there's like a, a, a warrior in um, uh, South America who was fighting the conquistadors and oh, they yeah. cut off his hands. <laughs> so he, he, he stitched, uh, he, he tied, um, tied swords to his hand stumps. And then in the next battle, the uh, the the Spanish were there, and this guy came running out of the wilderness at the head of this army of of uh, Mapuche warriors, and he's got swords like strapped to the bloody stumps of his hands. And I was like, "That's that's an awesome story. I want to tell that." <laughs> that is a great one. It has an army of darkness kind of feel in um, in pretty co- yeah. <laughs> in barely after oh, the that, discovery. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I've come across some new ones too that I hadn't done on the site before. So I did um I did Marco Polo, who was really more interesting than I was had was willing to give him credit for before. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know much about Marco Polo, but it turns out he was actually like really an interesting guy. I know you do a lot of kind of yeah. you know uh, Italian history from that time period, and you know for me coming across him, like I was gonna do somebody else first. I was going to do uh, this guy, um, Ibn Battuta, who mm-hmm. was an Arab who had traveled around the world and seen, done all these amazing things. But the more I was reading, you know, you're talking Cellini, but the more I was reading Ibn Battuta's autobiography, the more I was like, this guy is awful. And yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> this guy's terrible. <laughs> He's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> I don't agree with anything that he has to say. So then I kind of pivoted, you know, and and you work on a deadline like I do, but I've pivoted and I was like, I'll do Marco Polo because he is a little earlier than this guy. And, you know, let's see what we can see what we can find on him. Nice. And he was really interesting, you know, and his story, you know, the thing I love about Marco Polo is that he had no intention of telling his story. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of these guys are are like a Cellini is kind of self-aggrandizing and adding things into his life that he didn't really do. But Marco Polo goes and he has all these crazy adventures and he's serving, he's fighting with the the Mongol army in China and he's doing all of these things. And it's only after he comes back, he's been adventuring for 20, 30 years. He's seen and done all this amazing stuff. He comes back and he's, uh, he's Venetian and they're at war with Genoa. And he's captured by the Genoan army. Like he, he, he leads a ship into battle and he's captured. And they throw him in prison. And his cellmate is a guy who was like, who was the guy that originally wrote, um, the first guy to kind of write the Arthurian legends in mm-hmm. Italian. Mm-hmm. And so this was a, like a, rom- like a, it was like a, a fiction writer mm-hmm. was Polo's cellmate. And then they're just there imprisoned and they have nothing to do. So they're telling stories to each other. And this one guy is just like, all right, we're going to write this down. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. And so, yeah, like you said, there's probably some stuff there that isn't. But one of the interesting things with Marco Polo is that because he was a he was a a merchant, he was like a a money guy. So he kept track of all of that stuff pretty intensely in his notes and in his work. And so when he would tell these stories, he's like, oh, well, this castle had 15 gates or whatever. And it was this big and this big. And even even with that, people will come back and be like, well, Marco Polo might not have even been there because that place had 14 gates and he said it had 15. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing? Right. He's talking about something that he, 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 talking about something he did 20 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
No, totally. In, and in fact, there is sometimes the, the opposite tendency in history of like anything that people believe, we need to break it down and show how it's not true. Where the reality is that you're showing your own bias that way too, because in some cases it's obvious that something is not true. In other cases, like what you said, is kind of guesswork. You know, the evidence is thin. And at some point, you either believe it or not, because you could make an argument either way. And Marco Polo's stories definitely are in that gray zone where it's like, uh, eh, it could have gone either way. You know, it's... Uh, you, ever yeah, seen the, um, you ever seen the Netflix series that they did? Like, they did two seasons? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how closely it tied to the... To the real Probably deal, not, but, it, but uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I watch. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy season one. I thought season one was well done. The the prequel was awesome when they did this little tiny thing about the Taoist monk, how he becomes blind. They did oh, yeah. this uh, just a single 20, 30 minute episode, something like that. That was fantastic. Season two bummed me out. I felt like they ran out of material and they uh, like they were such giant plot holes where it's like, if this guy just talked to this guy, none of this stuff happens. And you're like, why that? And so season two, I was like, okay, well, <clears throat> it outlived its good run, but, uh, but I enjoy season one. That was fun. That was definitely yeah, a good yeah, it was series. Yeah, it was a good one. It's a good story, and it's and it's interesting. And, and yeah, I mean, I kind of want to go back to your point where you're like, there's people who are just kind of professionally mad mm-hmm. about everything. Right? Oh, yeah. They hate everything, and, and that's fine. Sometimes sometimes those things are funny. Like, if they hate the same thing I hate, I'll sometimes watch a video, and I'll, I'll think it's funny. But, you know, for the most part, you know, kind of what I'm doing with Badass and what you do with History on Fire is... I like to put more positive energy out there, right? Yeah. You put negative energy out there, bums everybody out, everybody's mad, they're in a bad mood when it's over. And, you know, one thing about badasses and kind of what I've been doing is, you know, I always I always kind of, you know, for me, like an inspiration for somebody who wrote history really well was Gibbon when he did mm-hmm. The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Yep. I really enjoyed the way that he wrote that stuff because he was like, this guy's cool, this guy sucks, this guy was awesome, this yep. guy was a monster. And it's like, you know, it's good to have a little bit of personality in your writing. Um, and so what I do with Badass is I kind of always tell the story from the point of view of the person I'm writing about. So it's always trying to be positive. Like, like this, this guy was awesome, awesome and he did this really cool thing and he, you know, da, da, da. And, and then maybe the next week I'll talk about the general on the other side of the battle. And I'll be like, this guy was awesome and he did this right. cool stuff and this cool stuff. And here's why he was fighting to just kind of show that, like, you know, I want to put positive stuff out there. And, yeah. and, and all of these people are like, you know, they they're they're trying their best and they're they're you know they're fighting and they're they're doing their thing and there's some inspiration that can be gained in real life from this of like you know all right this guy lost both his hands but he still kept fighting the Spanish like <laughs> maybe I can get my uh, get my homework done or whatever <laughs> right absolutely no I agree and I think it's important because so often history can be can be depressing you know the reality is that when you read enough history sometime it can bum you out because there are so many horrible things that happen there are so many people who yeah. make awful choices there's so much of that stuff that you're like Man, so to be able to tell history, because still it's interesting, it's, uh, it can be fun, it can be educational, it can be a lot of good things, but tell it in a way that doesn't bum everyone out, 
it's important because that's yeah. one of the things that yeah. sometimes you know you tell a story and it's a great story and it's accurate and it's even well told and at the end all the listeners want to shoot themselves because it's so depressing you know <laughs> and so it's like yeah. Oh. yeah there's some subjects that I try not to like even touch because it's like there's no way I can make this exciting and fun and interesting because also like I'm making a lot of jokes and stuff yeah. and, and so are you and with some of these it's like well you're gonna you're gonna crack a bunch of jokes about like the holocaust or right. something right like right. and it's like you know you can't really get into some of this really really dark like you know mass like you know a great hero does something heroic during a massacre mm-hmm. right but you know i can't be cracking jokes in that section of the story because it's gonna make me seem like an insensitive jerk right i think <laughs> i go kill the tone totally. and kill, the, kill the mood I think my style in that is to just go over the top dark humor where I take, because it's such a horrible story already that I view it from the point of view of the person doing awful things. And so, you know, if I'm talking about this nasty massacre where somebody decide to, there's this three-year-old running away and they target shoot the three-year-old, I will be like... You know, you have uh, already killed uh, the kid's uh, mother and father. Do you want to stop here and just decide, oh, poor little kid, he has already suffered so much, let him go? No, take it up to level 15 of being an asshole. Just start shooting at the little kid. You know, I make it in a way that doesn't deny the horror of it all, but make it so over the top. Um, I mean... In some ways, not really stretching it because that's kind of what's going on in some of these guys' heads. But putting yeah, it on paper yeah. in such a blunt way that it becomes almost comedic in effect because it's so dark. Yeah, that bit from uh, from Full Metal Jacket when it's like, you know, how do you shoot the women and the children? And he's like, oh, it's easy. You just don't lead them as much. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty <laughs> much, you know, where you just go like, oh, what did he just say? You know, there's... Uh... Speaking of which, how <laughs> yeah. do you repackage what you do? I'm fascinated because I knew about uh, Badass of the Week, the website, some of your early books. I did not know about your side as a... Uh, repackaging history for kids because your style everything i've read is not exactly the most kid-friendly thing in the world so i'm fascinated how you reinvent yourself and repackage it for kids how does that work so that's kind of where it comes from of like i have three books out in the badass series Mm -hmm. so badass of the week became three different books one's historical figures one's mythology and folklore characters and one is um great battles from history and those are fun and they're cool, but they are full of dick jokes and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that kind of thing. And so my, um, I was getting a lot of emails from people that were like, hey, you know, I love your style. I love your books. Um, I teach high school. Can you give me a version of these that I can, like, <laughs> read for my class that won't get me dragged out in the street by the PTA and beaten with sticks? Yes. And so... I kind of started pitching this idea in, you know, the working title was Badass Junior, but (laughs) but it's called um, it's called Guts and Glory. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the idea is kind of a PG-13 version of Badass. So it's kind of for middle school slash high school age kids and they're single single topic uh, books. So one's American Revolution, one's the Civil War. I did one on the Vikings Mm -hmm. and I did one on the Second World War. And so those are all, with the exception of the Vikings, those are all things that get taught in uh, American high schools. And so this is a book that you can give as kind of supplemental reading. And, and they've, they've done pretty well. So they've, they've been very well received. And, you know, it's kind of a, a side project where 
I don't list myself as the author of Badass on the back cover of, of the course. books, but maybe someday they'll graduate into being able to read about Badass or listen to the podcast or whatever. <laughs> That's hilarious, though, because I, I can't wait to check it out because so much of your humor is definitely designed for an adult audience. So I'm really intrigued to how you can convey the same humor going in a completely different style. I'm, uh, you know, being seated as the guy who hasn't read it yet, I just have this giant question mark on my head going like just how is he gonna pull that off <laughs> so i'm very curious to see how uh, how you 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 change a hat and put on the pg version of what you do and uh, yeah and still keep the humor and because you know your, your humor is absolutely hilarious but it's definitely like if somebody tells you this is the guy we want for the that next kids book he's like uh maybe not <laughs> you know so it's awesome that you are able to yeah, to do that to, to switch <laughs> gears you know I have to stop swearing and I had to weirdly like I get edited on sex stuff a lot like yeah. you know having kids then joking about having the kids or you know it's not like I would write a dick joke into a book like that but you know the kissing parts I get edited a lot and the violence never of course almost never violence is fine the only time I ever got edited on violence was when I described um the viking blood eagle where they like cut your back open and pulled your lungs out while you were still alive and yeah. just let you bleed out like that so that was too much so i just told the kids they have to look it up themselves because it's so gruesome i'm not allowed to explain it in this book <laughs> i remember once there was um <clears throat> i believe it was the creator of this video game uh, hitman they did this whole series of games the hitman one yeah, yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, one of the guys who created it was from, uh, I want to say Sweden, definitely Northern Europe. And he had this line about, you know, mm -hmm. the fact that there's so much violence in the video games and so little sexuality that he said, yeah, that's weird about American culture and the market and even the video gaming culture yeah. as it is that... If I show uh, some guy with an AK-47 mowing down a whole crowd, I get the equivalent of PG-13. If I show a single set of naked boobs in the most peaceful scenario possible, it's automatically the highest restriction. And he was like, I don't know about you guys, but which one would you rather see coming at you in a dark alley? And I was like, that's a perfect way to explain <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> It's weird, right? Yeah, you can you can you can slaughter your enemies all you want, but yep. but don't uh don't get a boner. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> uh, once I, we were putting together with um, <clears throat> with the family of Frank Frazetta, the guy who did all that heroic oh, yeah, yeah. painting and beautiful. We were putting together a rush guard um for jujitsu and stuff and we had the conan image and uh, any one you know the conan image where there's this naked lady wrapped around this leg and i got a bunch of messages mm -hmm. from people who were like oh you know i like frazetta but we cannot use this because the uh, boobs and i was like and then I posted a few others, and it's like, why don't you do this one? And there's a scene where there's Conan driving his sex into somebody's skull. And I was like, <laughs> let me get this straight. You have a problem with the naked lady, but like <laughs> brain splitting uh, action everywhere. That's perfectly appropriate for your 12-year-old. Is that what you're telling me? I was like, what the hell? We live in a strange culture. It's a weird thing, and it's a pretty like... It's a pretty American thing, too. I will say that, like, you know, Europe doesn't seem to have this problem. South America doesn't have this problem. <laughs> yeah, Europe, though, I have South to America, say... It's uh, okay to like people. It's okay to, like, love your wife and not murder people. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> what strange priorities where it's... Uh, 
Yeah, the only yeah. thing I recall of being uh, growing up in Europe in that scenario was uh, the number of times I nearly died because, you know, the kind of commercials that they allow is way more sexual. Yeah. And so you'd be, you know, riding my bicycle in the middle of traffic and there's this giant <laughs> poster with this lady with like a barely existed bikini and I'm just riding straight into the next car and I'm just like, ah, no, focus on the road. It's That was the only problem. <laughs> yeah oh that's really funny yeah tell me about the podcast though tell me more about so you started recently right yes so we are about 15 episodes in mm-hmm. right now and so yeah so the idea with the podcast is you know i've been doing badass of the week every week for what oh, it's something like 20 years now Jesus. right and i kind of feel like i've Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, the number of, when you count in, I have 11 books when you count the Guts and Glory stuff and some of the other things. So so I've written a lot of stuff about badasses. And, you know, I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different uh, and try to kind of, you know, just just kind of refresh it a little bit and, and try something new. And so, you know, like I said before, like Badass of the Week podcast is kind of, um, it's a greatest hits off the website and then also new stuff. So the people who've, I don't know if anybody out there has ever read all of my stuff, but anybody who has would now have something new that they hadn't heard before. Sweet. Um, and also I just like to keep reading new stuff. So I want to just, oh, I read this cool story. I want to talk about it. And so what we wanted to do to make it a little different than just the website was, um, you know, it's an audio format, which is different. Um, but I also brought on a co-host. Uh, and so um, I think I told you that I got started when I was working at uh, this university that didn't have summer classes. Well, my co-host on the show is a woman who worked there. So I worked in the classics department and she was a classes, classics professor there. And so now to bring on um, a, a, a woman who was more classically trained in, in academic history, uh, I think you know, we kind of play off each other pretty well. So I'll tell my version of the story and she'll kind of rein me in when she needs to. And occasionally, like, I'll, you know, one time she surprised me because I was like, oh, well, you know, and then the Romans accused the Carthage, and then the Romans accused the Carthaginians of, of killing babies. But of course, that wasn't true. And she'd be like, well, actually, <laughs> we might have archaeological evidence that they did do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so it's kind of fun because she's coming from a very different, like, you know, background than I am. And so we can kind of tell these stories and um, and and she she has some really interesting takes on some of what I have to say about it. And and um, yeah, and I think it's it's fun. So, uh, you know, we're really excited about it and we've got some really cool stuff coming up. You know, we're we're about like I said, I think we're about 15 episodes published. We've probably recorded maybe 25 and we're just kind of starting to hit our groove now of, you know, building a building a rapport and a, a rhythm between the two of us. And yeah, and I, I think it's cool. And we do these really cool cold opens and stuff. So we do a lot of like kind of sound designy stuff. And I don't know if it'd be all right for us to play one on on your show, but uh, yeah, absolutely. But I a that I could share with you if you yeah, we'll insert it now. Okay, perfect. Hong Kong, 1958. The music plays as Lee Jun Fan's feet deftly move back and forth. The cha-cha rhythm carries him and his partner across the dance floor. The small crowd cheers. He's graceful and elegant. But there's something they don't know. Tomorrow, his hands and feet will be lethal weapons. 
able to dispatch hordes of armed men with lightning quick maneuvers and vicious punches that send challengers sprawling. One by one, he'll mercilessly crush his foes, battering them with fists, feet, wooden sticks, even a pair of nunchucks. Today, he's about to be the cha-cha champion of Hong Kong, but tomorrow, he'll be Bruce Lee. This is Badass of the Week, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and High Five content. New episodes appear every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And so it's cool and it's it's fun stuff and we come out with them every Tuesday, which is kind of a an, an intense uh, schedule for, yep. for work. But, um, but, you know, generally like I'll do one and then she'll do one and we kind of comment on each other's stories. So working together, we can get... Um, you know, the research isn't so bad to try to come out with a shorter episode. So like 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. So not, not super long. Um, but yeah, just really cool stuff. Uh, and they're available everywhere. If you guys want to, want to check them out. Um, I also did want to ask you if you would ever want to be on our show to come on and talk about somebody that you like from history. Sure. I think Love that would to. be really cool. <clears throat> Uh, really cool thing for us to have you you come and talk to us. Yeah, I would love to pick uh, anything you want from the catalog or anything else. Really, that uh, there are there are a bunch that yeah, there are a bunch that we can play with. Anything from Cellini, or since it's a podcast and it doesn't go through the same uh, Puritan requirements as the PG thirteen books. <laughs> One that's a lot of fun that I think you would dig. That's a little. It's very light on the violence, but he's very heavy on the sex. I did this one two-part series about this guy, uh, E.Q. Sojun. He was a Zen monk in the, born at the end of the 1300s, lived through most of the 1400s. And he's probably my favorite character in history because he's just such a fun-loving dude who's just... His priorities are Zen, women, and drinking in no particular order. <laughs> and he's just hilarious. And so, you know, I tell so many stories that are uh, bloodshed and uh, stuff that once in a while doing a story that was much more relaxed than mellow. I was like, oh, this, this feels good. But, um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the military industrial complex flexing its muscle again. Yes, yes, exactly. It makes me seem more badass that I can have F-18 fighter jets happening behind me while I'm talking. Yes. That, uh, that's not great for podcasting. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't know it because you can't no, see but, um, it, but this is happening. The The planes are coming. Anytime he clicks his fingers, he calls on the jets just to remind us who he is, you know? <laughs> I got to make sure everybody knows that they're talking yes. to the badass of the week. Exactly. <laughs> I used to joke when I would do book readings, I would I travel around and do book readings and stuff, and I used to joke that I needed to get a big sheet of sugar glass, mm -hmm. and somebody would hold it, and when I would come on to the to do my talk, I could jump through <laughs> the glass, you know, and enter, <laughs> do my book I signings. I love that, I love that. My book signings would just be a, a, a stamp pad, and I could punch it, and then punch the book, and that's my signature. <laughs> I love that, that's the way to do it, yes. I tried that once and it didn't work. It doesn't come out right. It doesn't. It looks weird, so I can't. Damn it! <laughs> Otherwise, I totally do it. Too bad. There's a there's but a yeah, Caravaggio. I would, love that. I would love that story. It makes me think of um uh what was the monk uh, Drukpa Kunli in mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah in yeah Bhutan. Yep yep. It was the same thing that everybody yep. like he's the national hero of Bhutan and so everybody honors him by like painting giant penises on the sides of their buildings and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, the guy who referred to his penis as the flaming thunderbolt of wisdom. I thought that was just me. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, see, maybe. that's fun. We got to talk about that. Absolutely. You got to come on the show now. <laughs> yeah, anytime, man. I would love to. This uh, It would be cool. fun. I think we have the same taste for over-the-top crazy stories and uh, the weird <laughs> humor that goes with it. So, yeah, I would love to, definitely. So that's awesome. So yeah, I guess for listeners, you want to check it out. I think 40 minutes sometimes is a perfect length for, because, you know, I do these crazy deep dives and sometimes I started producing more because I have some archive of stuff that I'm re-releasing. And I realize it's just too much. People cannot listen to two or three giant episodes a month unless they have a job where they are just begging for to be entertained. But most normal people are not going to be able to unless they have a particular kind of job. 40 minutes is the perfect peel-sized content that gets you going, is fun, is entertaining, and you're out. It, you can do it fairly quickly. Yeah, I can listen to one one episode is a full round trip taking my son to daycare and coming home. Perfect. <laughs> so that's that's the way, right? <laughs> exactly. You take your dog for a walk a couple of times in the day, you're good. It's, yeah, uh, you got it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, other, have you ever thought about uh, going the fiction route at all? Uh, a little bit. So uh, I know you had kind of, you had mentioned before, I don't know where you're at, but you had been working on a novel on yep. um, Caravaggio. Yep. Uh, I, you know, I've tried to do fiction a few times. Um, you know, uh, I've got a novel that's mostly done and I've got a few screenplays that I've written. But the thing for me is, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, why don't you do historical fiction? And I struggle with that so much. Mm. So the stuff I'm writing is is totally Totally fiction, right? No historical real basis on anything. Um, but uh, but yeah, historical fiction was always hard for me because I always, I dive so deep into it. Then And then it's like, you know, because I want to do all the research and have yeah. everything perfect. Yeah. And then I have the story and then I think like, okay, how can I invent a dude who wasn't there and stick him in here and have him ruin all of this? <laughs> how, how can I say that all of these things that happened were actually the fault of this one guy who doesn't exist in real life? Right. You know? And so I always kind of would hit that wall of, this is a cool story and I want to write it, but uh, I don't know. Like, I love reading Flashman and stuff like that, but it's hard for me to um, to, to come up with that and, and, and kind of change the story so dramatically that it, you know that it becomes its own thing in the meantime in a perfect badass moment my chair that i was sitting on decided to collapse on me so i had to catch myself on the, just because the badassery in here is too much and is even breaking up furniture as we speak but uh no i, I think have that uh, effect on people yeah you know it's like <laughs> I, I should have expected it you know the, I think one thing that uh, it may not be a wall, what you are describing, because the reality is that historical fiction, never mind if you are going for screenplay where that's even more true, but even in, uh, in just regular publishing, it's harder to sell than uh, non-historical fiction. So in a sense, that may not be a bad thing for you to, to go a different route, because... Uh, the reality is that the history stuff is harder uh, to sell. I, I don't mean harder to, I mean, even to write, it could be, but primarily is to sell. It's just the market is not nearly as good as for other stuff. So screw history in that and case. For film especially, because, you know, the, the film producers, they look at a script and they think like, because I had always thought a, a Cellini movie would be amazing, especially if you could do it as a comedy and kind of all of the things he said he did like are real, like you kind of match his tone of kind of nope. over the top right with the movie i think that would be really fun but 
you know, a producer looks at a script and they think, how much is this going to cost? Exactly. And when you're like, oh, the whole movie is set in 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 Florence in 1550, yeah. they're like, uh, yeah, that sounds expensive. Exactly. And if you don't have if you don't have like a back catalog, if you're not Ridley Scott, like they're not yep. going to front you that money, right? <laughs> yeah, they want uh, friends where he's like, we'll put six people in a room and we'll film them telling funny jokes and that's you know yeah, exactly way cheaper easier to do if it doesn't work we are not losing so much money no totally that's kind of how it is for sure yeah all those like a24 movies where it's like a horror movie that takes place in a house yeah yeah and perfect get killed and then the mo- there's a monster and, exactly you know, we can make the movie for eight hundred thousand dollars and it'll make four million and everybody's gonna go home happy <laughs> yep that's pretty much how it's done before we wrap anything else you want to throw out there um, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, just working on the podcast right now. We're trying to trying to get support for that and um, trying to produce new stuff. And um, let's see. Aside from that, I'm just kind of yeah, working on um, working on some book stuff, working on some fiction stuff. I mean, you know how it is. Just always, there's always something that I'm behind on. <laughs> that's the nature of the business. Yes. Yeah, there's always something that I should have gotten done last week that still is in. I haven't even started yet. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. So for anybody listening, if you want a highly, highly entertaining take on history, check out his website, check out the podcast. That's a recent creation, so I'm sure you're excited about it and anxious to get it going. So there are the books out there. So whatever your favorite medium is, you have a way to consume it and just get a taste for Ben's work. Cool, man. Just call me on the phone. I'll talk to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, for chatting with me today. That was awesome. And um, yeah, yeah, this man. Is great. Thank you so much for having me. It was a big, it was a big honor to be here. And I, I really, uh, I love what you do. And it's really great to be be part of the program and, and talk to you. Beautiful. What the funky music means one thing? That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. I thought that was a really nice episode. I was kind of quiet in the background. You guys were just having at it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because I read uh, Ben's work for a long time. So recently when uh, I got this email about, hey, would you like to chat with Ben? I was like, oh, I would love to. He's a, he's a really funny guy. He uh, has a great sensibility for telling stories. He's a brilliant storyteller. So I was like... Yeah, yeah, let's do this. So got to nerd out about humor and history. It's great. It just feels like there's sort of a nice fit going there, too. So who knows what might happen next? We'll find out. Well, that's it for now. When we, uh, when we next meet, we'll have a chat about the Ventura County Fair and but the excitement that was there. Let's do that. All right, guys. Have a good day. Cool. Would you like to hear a terrible story? Yes, always. One day the rod shall teach you. What have we learned this week? Be calm, be kind, be brave. Yep, words to live by. See you guys. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. 
Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo!